Welcome to the My Risk Advisor podcast. This podcast is for anyone in the Australian financial planning ecosystem with a focus on life risk insurance. Whether you're a seasoned advisor or just starting out, I think you'll get heaps of value out of this podcast. I'm your host, Phil Thompson, and I'm a life risk insurance specialist, and you're listening to My Risk Advisor. Hey there, welcome to the My Risk Advisor podcast. Today with me, I've got Martin McGrath, who is a retirement specialist. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, why have we got a retirement specialist on the My Risk Advisor podcast? And the reason I have him on is because Martin has been going through a journey about transitioning out of insurance advice. So for all of those generalist advisors who are thinking about getting out of insurance advice, or all of those financial planners who are specializing in insurance and want to approach other financial planners, I think you'll get heaps of value out of this conversation. Now, before we get stuck in, we can't do this podcast without the help of Zurich and OnePath. So I want to start by saying thank you. Zurich and OnePath are your partners in life and are also proud supporters of the My Risk Advisor podcast. All right. Thanks, Marty, for coming and joining me today. So first of all, for people who don't know you, who are you? What do you do? Yes, I'm an advisor, Martin McGrath, based on the central coast of New South Wales, between Sydney and Newcastle. Um, Background, tax agent, chartered accountant, had my own business for about six years now. Um, And a couple of years ago, made the big decision to specialise, not in insurance, in fact, into retirement advice. Uh, And business has grown and prospered significantly since making that big call a few years ago. So, people may be listening thinking, why the heck am I bringing a retirement specialist on who doesn't do insurance advice uh, on the My Risk Advisor podcast? Um, but the reason I, brought, I asked you to come on was because it's a really interesting topic. A lot of the people in the Facebook group and um, listeners do um, holistic advice still. Um, there's not that many insurance only. So, um, I want to have a conversation about how you're thinking about transitioning out of insurance advice. So, you know, what are you thinking about? What what brought you to that decision, and how are you going to actually execute that? So yeah, help me understand kind of the well. Let's dial back a little bit. Why did you decide to specialize in in retirement planning? Yeah, so I mean, the business kind of just grew organically. I didn't buy a book; it just started fresh. And, and my background in accounting as well meant that we tried to do a bit of everything. We did accounting and tax. We did retirement planning. We did insurance. We helped kind of anyone in the financial planning and accounting space. Uh, and the business grew to a reasonable size and then I realised that I was a a generalist and spreading myself too thin um, and decided that to be a better advisor for clients, uh, to run a more efficient business and better systems and processes for my staff, I wanted to narrow that down a little bit Um, but the more I went through that process, the more I decided to narrow that down a lot Uh, and so made that call to focus on what I thought was my speciality and my best skill set was in the retirement space um, and made that call a few years ago. And, and the insurance piece is kind of still been there, but making further progress and changes um, in that space along this journey as well. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the first thing that you that you got rid of was your accounting work. So, born and bred accountant and then you gave that up. How did, how did that go? Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it seemed like a big call at the time, but it was a very easy call in hindsight. That it was honestly what I had more passion for. Um, I am an accountant by nature still, uh, and some of the conservative things I do probably represent that. But um, I think accounting generally is fair with fairly backwards looking, whereas a lot of the advice stuff we enjoy doing is for fairly look forwards looking. 
Yeah, cool. And so, yeah, I can confirm you're pretty boring. So, you are uh, still got that accountant in you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'll take that. So, sorry to all the accountants out there. I'm just kidding. Um, so, uh, help me understand kind of the next transition. You said you started getting rid of some services out of the business and, and you kind of, the more you got into it, you just wanted to kind of just really nail the, the things that you're good at. Yeah, so I mean, I went through a bit of a journey and realized I'd get rid of the accounting and then I'd try and do all financial planning. And then kind of a little bit after that, realized that maybe that still wasn't um, the best thing as well and try to focus the marketing on, on one niche, which, which with my background in SMSFs, et cetera, um, the retirement space worked really well for us. And then I kind of realized, well, if I'm focusing really on people over the age of 50, uh, there's less insurance in that space, not no insurance. So what we then started doing was a bit more selective and we wouldn't take on insurance only advice if someone come to us they got the first house etc they're not ready to retire they don't know if advice they just wanted some income protection life insurance we decided to stop doing that and start referring that away and that was probably that first part of that journey um down the path we're on now yeah and ha- and how'd you go about um having that conversation with clients saying that you know it's easier when they're new clients to say hey we're not you know, this is not what we do. Here's the right people to speak to. But when they're an existing client, how, how have you gone having those conversations? Yeah, and I think we're probably still having some of those conversations and um, and that's, I suppose, it's a, it's a continuing journey that we're continuing down. But um, in terms of having those conversations with people, just being open and honest with them. Um, we don't focus on this area anymore. There's been a lot of changes in this area. The advice you're looking for, I want to make sure you're getting the best advice uh, and therefore I think you should go and see this expert or that expert um, and luckily I know a few people that I can confidently refer them to. And and with regards to like your experience with accounting as well, have have the clients pushed back at all and saying, well, hold on, you used to do this. That's the reason we started this engagement because you were my accountant. Has there been any pushback there? No, not at all. I think as long as it's delivered and, and being transparent in the right way about that, um, not at all. But I think it's also something that I it took us too long to come to that decision in that we'd still we would do stuff. And then last year I was still doing some applications for new clients or some existing clients and then just realised that we're just not good at it. We don't have the same systems and processes and pre-assessment and, and doing enough volume with insurance providers to get the right type of policies and know we're doing that efficiently, which also doesn't mean it's a good experience for the client or profitable experience for us. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. The uh, the last full financial planning client I worked with, I charged like 20% extra because I didn't want them to say yes. They said yes, signed up, and I'm thinking to myself, it took me like, three weeks before I started doing the work because I just put it off. I was like, oh, something else to do or busy. or And and that's when I realized, no, nah, I need to stop offering this because I'm not serving the clients well and char- overcharging them. They shouldn't be getting charged this much. Um, and so I'm not the right person. So, yeah, I, I kind of had that realization that I didn't want to do the work, um, so it was easy when you put when you're delaying stuff that that it's probably not the right thing. But but it's also going like at the end of the day, how are we best serving like our clients first and foremost, but like the broader community and giving them a good experience? Because yeah, too often we can kind of go, oh, yeah, you kind of fit what we can do, and you're willing to pay us a fee, so we'll kind of fit you in there. Um, but really, are we serving 
the clients and the broader community and the, the profession to, to giving people a good experience. Um, that was my realisation, why I specialise into one area and um, I'm all about making sure advisors are specialising and, and I think it's, it's a very powerful thing to do. Yeah, and I think I'd echo the same thing that we, it was probably up until only a year ago that we would still do insurance advice but only if, again, they fit our niche and we were doing everything else for them. Um, they were coming for retirement advice, maybe in their early 50s, they still needed some insurances or they had some insurances and you know, we'd give that advice as part of it. But it also meant, meant that I know, out of you know, all the SOAs we do, probably only 20 or 30% of it had any insurance component advice in there. So actually when we are doing applications, it was you know, at best one a month or something like that. And again, it just wasn't fair for us or the client and exactly I had a few of those where, it wasn't even us, um, I know, not, you know, probably honestly not being excited about the process, but also it moved at a different pace to some of the super advice we were giving and that kind of made that bit clunky. Um, the underwriting process, again, because we weren't efficient at that, uh, we weren't probably doing the pre-assessments at the right level we should be doing, that other professionals are doing, meant that it was a nice process for the client that took up to six months or longer to actually get the policies in place. Uh, and therefore, we had kind of there were two clients in, in particular in mind, and I remember saying these are the last two we're ever doing. And so since that day, um, any client who comes in, we will see the opportunity of advice, give them advice and everything else, but say, hey, you've got insurance need here. We're going to cover all this stuff because we're really good at it, because of your age, because of what you need, etc. You need some special advice. We, we work with these people uh, and we're going to get this advice sorted for you, but it's not something we're going to do as part of our, our plan for you and have not had a client push back on that. Yeah, yeah. And and how have you gone about like sourcing the right partners? Like, I, So, I mean, full disclosure, I've been badgering you for two years to say get rid of your like specialised properly and, and send us your insurance clients. But outside of me badgering you, like how have you, how have you thought about like seeking um, referral partners. Yeah, I think it's an important process because particularly if you're, it is different if it's a prospect you're never going to work with again, you just refer them away, then you don't know anything about it. But when it's the other way where it's where, like working with any accountant or lawyer or any other professional or mortgage broker, they're going to have the relationship at the same time you're having it concurrently. So it was, I suppose, going out to my network, knowing people that I knew that did it well, um, but also not interviewing, but kind of at least having it sit down and chat and understand what your process look like, what's your philosophy, kind of how do you recommend advice? Um, and not that I 100% had to agree with it or, or disagree with it, but I was very comfortable with the, the processes, um, but at least knowing what that looks like so that when I see it, when I communicate with a client, if the client comes back to me and says, hey, I've got this advice, do you think it's good? Uh, at least I know what that process looks like. So I think it's important to have that communication and then have that chat with whichever partner or partners you're picking to go down this path with. Yeah, and that's and and when you start to specialize like like I did, I basically thought about it as a well, if I'm not doing this, I need a solution for people. I can't just say I'm not doing it. Best of luck to you, um, because because we need to actually provide a solution, um, whether they action it or not. It's totally up to the client. But yeah, I spent a lot of time talking to advisors and going out there and saying, okay, what do you do? How do you, how do you actually do it? Like, so, you know, just, just like yourself, we, we've got networks in the advice community and we, and we know people, but actually sitting down and going, okay, if I'm going to refer you a client, I want to feel comfortable that 
I understand your process so I can communicate that to the client. But also, like, what are your fees? Like, do I think you're ripping clients off or do I think they're reasonable? Do I think the value and service is, is really good or are you lacking in that service? So then when you have maybe have a bad client experience, when you make a referral and you've made 20 and, and one has a bad experience, you can have that person's back and you're not there going, oh, I'm annoyed that they made me look bad. You can say, well, yep, that's, that's an odd experience. We've worked with lots of clients in the past with this firm let me jump in there and I can help address these issues for you and, and, and get involved. Um, so, yeah, just, just meeting people and actually just getting a bit more, you know, nitty-gritty. How do you do it? What's your needs analysis? Like what, what's the structure? What, do you, what is right? What is wrong? Um, and having that alignment. Yeah, I think so. I think it, 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 again, it goes both ways. It's, it's that person who wants to receive those referrals being open and not, showing everything about how you do business but also just being open and going well this is how we do it this is how we price this is what our fees look like this is what our process looks like to to give the partner or the other advisor you're working with a level of confidence in that space um and because exactly that that it is something that you you there's going to be a point where you're going to want to have their back and know what they looks like um i think it was a i think it was a property expert a few years ago i was trying to work with and and it, they weren't that transparent at all. Like, no, just send them our way. We'll look after them. Don't worry about it. You don't need to know how we work or how we get paid or anything like that. I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm comfortable with this. Um, yeah. That's a big thing to make sure that, again, you're not trying to double judge how someone's doing that, what they're doing, but at least you need to understand and be comfortable with it. Pass the smell test to make sure that would you refer your family, that person? Yes, I would. All right. Well, then I'm comfortable to work with them um, and I know they yeah. look after clients the right way. And and I know, I mean, we were we were in a, a meeting the other day together, um, and and we were talking to another referral partner that we that we both um, refer to, and it's and it's really interesting when you do start to think about specialising and doing the one thing, your your eyes open up so much more to what are other professionals, what are other people doing, and how can they best serve the client. So you, like I know for me, I'm always thinking about like keeping my ears open to opportunities to refer out because, because I mean, there are kind of, you know, codes of ethics. We need to make sure we're looking after the client, which is, which is important, making sure that we aren't doing something that, you know, if I don't have the expertise, I shouldn't be doing it. That's what the code of ethics mm-hmm. says. Um, and so being able to make sure you're complying in your code of ethics, but having that kind of always thinking about, okay, who can I refer to? What are my clients' needs and how can I best serve them? Um, and so, just in terms of like broadly, in terms of your overall referral kind of ex- like relationships and experiences, like what do you find works best when you're being approached by potential referral partners, or you're or you're looking at at finding those referral partners? Yeah, I think part of it, I suppose, is knowing, I mean, knowing the business, but also often knowing the human or the the, the advisor that drives that business, and making sure that I uh, know. They are something that you'd be, you'd be comfortable working with and, and trusting them with your clients. Um, and again, as I said, to kind of be sitting down and, and having a chat with them, understanding how they work, how they price, what's their intention with business. There's been a lot of change in the industry and you want to make sure that you're partnering with someone who is going to be around for a while um, for your business and their business and your clients mm. that um, you know, are setting up the business the right way to be where they need to be for many years and, and making sure those decisions are right. But I agree, I think it goes back to well, just what you are saying before around acting in the client's best interest. So it was only the other day a client came back to me. Um, 
they're going to need some new income protection because they've just taken a new job and circumstances are changing and they've got a you know, somewhat complex medical history, nothing too complex, but definitely not as, as you know, clean-cut application for someone in their early 50s. And I just know that we don't have the skill set and the knowledge to do the right thing for the client. We look after their retirement planning. We look after their superannuation, but that relies upon them having a solid income coming in. So I don't have the skill set to go to the underwriters and do all that and spend the time and the systems and processes to do so. Even if I wanted to, to try and get some extra revenue, it wouldn't be a profitable exercise for us. So it's about what's actually best for the client, um, but also in turn what's best for our business to make sure they've got that solution um, in the short and the long term. And I mean, look, we all we all love to say how amazing we are at looking after our clients, and 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 we are advisors on that. Are but at the end of the day, like if you're running a business, you need to pay some bills. So like, especially, I'd love you to just give us an understanding, especially with the accounting business, because that was a pretty significant part of your ongoing revenue was your accounting business. So how did you go thinking about? offloading the accounting side knowing that your revenue is going to drop by you know a, quite a substantial amount yeah for, and yeah being transparent like the accounting side was about 70 percent of, of my revenue so i've wanted to tell some people like are you sure you've made the right decision you're getting rid of the big thing, yeah. the little thing um but again it was around i won't if i'm going to do this for the next few decades potentially then i want to make sure i'm enjoying what i'm doing but also yeah, making sure that we're profitable and, and focusing the right area, that I know I can add a lot more value in the space that I work in. Um, and the same with the insurance space, that, that yes, I can help a client get a policy in place and, and receive payment from the client or from the insurer for, for a few thousand dollars, but I'm better to save that time and go and focus on someone who my business is built around, a retirement client, and, and the fees we charge and the way we work and the type of clients we attract, that... I can make a much more on an hourly basis or however we want to measure that, um, servicing a client that's going to work in our system, our process much better Mm. um, and find a solution for that client elsewhere. And so just looking at like other people who may be listening going, well, yeah, okay, like I can't give up a portion and it doesn't need to be insurance. It can be a section of your business. You can give up holistic planning and go all into insurance. But but do you think there is a requirement that, hey, you need to see – some clients come in um, and you need to see that your your marketing or your, your external referrals are coming in before you think about offloading that? Like with your business, you know, how did you go about giving up 70% of your revenue? Were you seeing really good signs of new clients coming in going, well, if we just do retirees and that's all, we can easily replace that 70% or were you kind of taking a massive leap of faith? Yeah, probably close to the massive leap, but maybe somewhere in the middle, but fairly confident that, that we already had a some level of, of clients there, that, that 30%, um, but even in that, it was probably only 20% because maybe 10% might have been insurance or non-ideal clients. So, um, no, I don't, like, everyone's business is different. Obviously, yes, you want to head down that path, but I suppose have some confidence or have some capital to know that's what I really want to do. But compared to what our business looks like now versus really only less than three years ago when we made that leap it's just both just being the 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 type of leads we're getting the type of clients we're attracting now is i think because we are specialist and niche and focused that our our websites our marketing our messaging is all on that area um 
and I just knew that I wanted to free up that capacity for myself and my team to focus on that area um, and I kind of was fairly confident that, that build it and they will come. Now that can be very dangerous because you just wait for the phone to ring but I, I think it's confident enough that the path would work but it definitely, you know, probably then we're getting you know, one or two leads a month at best um, whereas now we're getting closer to one lead a day or one or two leads a day kind of thing and again but we're probably referring away over half of those clients that come to us because they come to us and say oh yeah you look after mum and dad i'm in my 30s i want some help cool i'm glad you're being proactive you definitely need some help but we're not the right person to help you but we've got a solution for you uh and i'm a big believer like you kind of said you 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 don't want to say no and say good luck go out there in the wilderness and see how you go so we've got um I suppose a short list of some clients or so client areas or advisors. If they're looking for this, refer them to two or three of these people. If looking for that, refer them to two of these three people so that um, we've got a solution that we're comfortable that they go down rather than just, um, I don't know, have a Google themselves or head out to the wilderness and see where they find. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's so interesting because I, I find it, um, yeah, people – often think about and it's less and less these days to be fair but people often think let's try and get maximum share of wallet from a client if they're getting a mortgage well we can get the 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 trail on that mortgage if they're you know doing x y and z well how do we how do we get that share of wallet in our business um but i know for my business we grew exponentially as soon as we turned people away and now we refer out 10 times the amount of leads out of our business than we ever got in, leads into the business, you know, five years ago um, because, you know, people asked, well, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a financial planner. I kind of do everything to do with money. Can, do you need help with money? Well, yes, but now it's like, what do you do? I help people set up insurance. If you want insurance, I can help you, but if mm. you don't, then I can refer you on. Um, and it's the same with you guys, like that growth, um, after specialising, so without obviously giving us numbers and telling us exactly your revenue, like how long have you replaced that seventy percent? And if you have, how long did it take to to replace that? Yeah, and um, I mean, if I, I could, could have prepared and given you the the timeline exactly, but I'd say at least you know within eighteen months, if not nearly within twelve months, I reckon. Um, yeah. it was it was relatively quick, and not some of that was obviously upfront stuff that's not uh, maintainable, but in terms of our maintainable, I suppose, ongoing clients that we look after and, and ongoing fees, that's probably nearly 10 times what it was three years ago um, in terms of ongoing mm. clients or ongoing revenue. So it's and it's actually, it's not ongoing clients, it's ongoing revenue because it's probably only, I don't know, maybe three or four times the amount of clients but 10 times the kind of revenue as well because, I mean, maybe the area, but I suppose also being a specialist and, and the type of clients we're attracting now means that our our fee is arguably above average or above what a generalist would be because we are a specialist um, in the space we work in as well. Yeah. And so, you know, I know you've kind of been wrestling with this. How do you, how do you go about it? But like, you know, getting rid of accounting is relatively easy because it's very different. It's a different service. Mm. If someone had a mortgage broking business and they're an advisor, getting rid of that is relatively easy. It's a completely different business. Insurance is so integral to the advice process. It factors in, you know, projections on super balances. It factors into what do you, can you save and invest or, or use elsewhere. Like the premiums 
are a big factor in people's lives. So how have you been thinking about how do you scope such a baked-in part of the advice process? Yeah, I mean, well, just because I, th- I think I have to, that I'm not good at it, so I need to find someone who's good at it. And it might be an easy answer in that I know the retirement space we work in, we really don't work with many people under the age of 50. So I'd say, and in that, probably at least 60 or 70% of our clients are over the age of 60. So therefore, their need for insurance is just often isn't there, so it's less of a factor for us. Um, but in that, let's go back to say someone that is in that early 50s, they've still got 10 years of work left, they still need income protection, they still might have some teenagers at home and, and dead on the house. They definitely have a need for insurance. Um, and and that's where we'll obviously look at what they've potentially currently got if we're looking after their super fund. But before that, we'll have that conversation to them and say, this is a big part of your world. This is the things we focus on. You definitely need some advice in that area. Um, but we're not the right ones to look at this exactly for you. We're going to recommend you speak to a specialist. And that advice happens concurrently at the start while we're doing our work and then they're getting that insurance work underway. Um, and we'll either just put some estimates in there, use their current premiums. Um, if we don't have all that information back by the time we're doing those superannuation projection numbers, etc. Um, but once we do have them, we'll update them and factor them in that point in time. And I think it's probably, uh, the position I'm in now, I'm comfortable to say, it's no different to ask them about their will. We're not lawyers, we can't do wills, but it's definitely part of the big part of the advice process. But we're not trying to step on their toes and, and it's the same with the insurance space in our business now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and that's a that's a lot of the hesitation I see from from the referral partners who are thinking about outsourcing to a specialist, and and they're having I'm just having initial chats, and they're like, I mean, the two major issues is I was an expert uh, in insurance, and now I, and so I've got to t- say to my clients, well, I'm no longer the expert, um, and how do I go about that conversation? But also the other thing is um, just about that. It's baked. It's so heavily baked into the advice process. I just, I just say, think about it as any other referral partner, just, just like we do um, when we're referring out, you know, superannuation or investment advice in in my business. And, and so, moving forward, once you are fully out of uh, insurance land and not not thinking about that or touching that, which I mean, to be fair, you you mainly are now. Um, do you expect that to kind of unlock some more future growth in the business? Yeah, for sure. And I think that we had a, a bit of a team retreat planning last week and, and one of the agenda items that we spent half an hour on was what other parts of the business could we get rid of, um, as funny as that sounds. And um, and there is still a little bit of insurance, which I'll come back to next, but it's then around for our clients, no, I think no clients listening to this, that we do their SMSF accounting because we look after our SMSFs and we can do that. I'm a tax agent, charter accountant, but that's probably, it's, it's well less than 10% of our revenue, probably 5% of our revenue. It's not large enough that we can scale it right now. So that's something that we'll probably look to to remove and streamline in that area. Um, but we're just looking at this and kind of going, how can we further you know, narrow down, go deeper in, in terms of some of the stuff we're doing and, and carve off some of this, you know, five or ten percent stuff around the sides that taking up a lot more than five percent of our time or effort, our systems or processes to be able to take on more clients and, and continue to focus on what we do well. Mm. And and it's so good that conversation because really the conversation is: Are we adding value doing the SMSF returns? 
Well, probably not. Someone else can do that for yeah, the Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's convenient. Why do I do it? Exactly that because we've always done it because so therefore it feels it's something that we it mm. feels something funny to part with. But the clients don't care. That's not what they come to us for. Yes, it's nice that we can do it, but they're not going to really notice or care if there's someone else's name on the bottom of it or if it, we're still the you know, intermediary as part of that. So, uh, and given how seamless the insurance change has been, that's probably one of those next things on the agenda. And I think we'll continue down that methodology. Um, we're trying to streamline and, and remove some stuff that's, I don't know, say, less than 10% of our overall revenue. And so for, for the advisors out there who are insurance only and trying to um, maybe have a chat to holistic advisors, gauging whether they want to outsource the, the uh, insurance to them, what would your advice be to them approaching um, a holistic advisor? Like what are the pain points that you think a risk-only advisor should kind of um, – you know, take off the, the holistic advisor's plate? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a few things. I suppose one of it's, uh, one of it is, is try and position it so that it is, A, better for the client. It's a better outcome for the client. They're being looked after better, ideally maybe getting a better product or a better premium as part of that process. And someone who's doing insurances day in, day out uh, would be better often than a holistic advisor who's trying to spend their time doing everything else. Uh, and on the flip side, the benefit, therefore, to the uh, advisor and the business in in all that time that's going to be freed up in keeping on top of policies and the changes. There's been a whole bunch of changes in the insurance space uh, and I'm happy to say that I know enough about it but I don't know the ins and the outs of the different income protection policies that are being offered by all the product providers because I don't have to anymore, whereas I would have had to spend hours being across all that before but with confidence going, well, that's okay. I know the stuff having that space, so at least I can talk to it where I need to, but I don't need to be in the details in that stuff now. Um, and the amount of time that's freed up has therefore allowed us to take on more clients or potentially work less um, if people want to do that as well. So I think they're the two biggest benefits is it's a better outcome for the client. Uh, it's a better outcome for the advisor or the advisor's business. Um, but I suppose talking to the advisor, making sure that they feel comfortable, that they understand how it's going to fit into their system and their pricing, or so their processes and pricing, uh, and also I suppose client value proposition as well. Yeah, I mean, what what you're talking about is talking about the value that the an insurance only advisor can add, and I haven't really thought about this talking to to potential referral partners, but like I know we get premium discounts with insurers because we're we're a premium advisor. I don't know what they call their premium program, and we get loading waivers and premium service, like all of these things that like back when I wasn't writing much insurance and I didn't get on any of these programs from the insurers. I thought, you know, it's all the same. Whether any client goes through me or goes through Martin, they're getting the same. Maybe a different experience, maybe a different process and different levels of cover. But at the end of the day, it's, it's the same product um, what they're getting. But, you know, there are insurers who, you know, whether it's good or bad, gives the, the higher insurance riders better benefits um, that most of it gets passed on to the client. Uh, in terms of better service or premium discounts. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, it's not quite the same, but it's exactly, it's, it's working with a, a business that's doing much higher volume, you often get not only better efficiencies, um, but also a better product or a better outcome that if you're a wholesale mm. purchaser at, uh, at a certain provider, you're going to get a better price or a better quantity or outcome than if you're just going in and buying a single item. 
Yeah. And and that's where, yeah, kind of what you said about the, the pain points is, yeah, really getting to know the businesses that you're partnering with. So, for all the riskies out there, getting to know the businesses that you're partnering with, what are their pain points? Like, what what are their questions about that conversation? Like, do we need to try and give them premium feedback as early as possible, even just a guideline? Do we need to give them guidelines of like, you know, some tables on if it's this occupation and this age, this is probably what it's going to look like. Um, those kind of things really help, um, you know, facilitate that transition because there are, yeah, as I mentioned, lots of these concerns about, you know, how do I build this into our mo- into my modelling um, because I've done it forever and a day and now I'm not doing it. Um, and, yeah, and I guess my response again to myself is, well, we don't know, like you model it and then you get terms with a 50% loading or you get declined. So your modeling's out anyway. So um, yeah, modeling's exactly. as good as kind of the review. Exactly. And I think that's why so you realize that life doesn't have to be perfect and the numbers don't have to be perfect. Even the budget you're getting from the client isn't perfect. So mm. they don't spend $280 a week on groceries every single week anyway. So whether it's the life insurance is 3200 or 3600 doesn't really change the value of a retirement strategy, SOA and concessional contributions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and therefore, very quickly, we realised that let's not focus on that. Let's put the assumption in and move on. And exactly that. Once we get the, the paperwork stuff back from yourself, uh, we'll go and put the actual figures in there. But again, that's going to change every year anyway. So, um, Yeah, that's it. And and from a compliance point of view, you just, you just say it's an assumption. Yeah. Just like the... $280 a week in groceries is also an assumption because it's not uh, at the end of the day. It is we're forward looking, um, which is good, but it makes those modeling very difficult to make accurate. Um, yeah, but I think even that, and that's even as part of that discussion with clients is that, yeah, that's the model, but we don't live our life in a spreadsheet, unfortunately, and the share market doesn't return 6.2% a year every single year either. So yeah, yeah. the modelling's wrong as soon as you do it anyway. So whether you've got the premium off by 10 or 20% also doesn't really matter. Hopefully, you're in the right area. The client can retire when you're talking about their retiring, but um, it's not going to be right no matter, even if, even if the insurance premium was exactly right for the next 10 years somehow magically. It's going to be wrong because anything else in the client's life is going to change uh, and the investment world is going to change and the legislation rules are going to change anyway. So Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, and I think a part, like a lot of people do and can get hung up on that, but I think that's just a, another objection point to overcome and realise that the client doesn't also really care either too much uh, and therefore as an advice, you just need to be comfortable and focus on the big picture what's right for the client, what's right for your business and, and make that call earlier rather than later because I wish in hindsight we did as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right, this has been an awesome chat. Um, I know you're on. You're just starting out on your six-month holiday, camping around, well, working, not holiday, working, working holiday. holiday working will. holiday, yeah. yeah. If anyone from Martin's team are listening, it's definitely a working holiday. Um, but uh, if you're talking to Martin's wife, it's, it's a holiday. So, <laughs> um, six months in the caravan. Yeah, so it's been a, as a financial planner, it's been something to plan for. Uh, And so married with two kids, our oldest daughter, Penny, starts school next year. So the plan was always to spend some time on the road. And COVID showed that we can work remotely uh, on Zoom and Teams and DocuSign, all that kind of stuff. So uh, we've got a caravan and we start on a trip to spend a basic about give or take six months on the road um, over probably in a the middle kind of part of the year, 
venturing at least two or three or four different states with not much really booked in and a return date, but that's about it. Great. I, I had plans, but mine were overseas and COVID stopped that. So we were going to do six months in Bali, um, but it did, yeah, delayed it. So I think we're locking in next year. We're going to probably move to the Philippines for, for a few months, um, which will be really good. That will be cool. Uh, I won't get my caravan over there, but hopefully we will do this again as in a couple of years' time for sure. Yeah, awesome. Two questions before we finish up because um, I know you've got some uh, pina coladas to sip. Um, when do you get a chance to do your emails? I mean, on the road now, it's it's a morning and a night thing um, that generally this morning I woke up a bit after six and sat outside, watched the sunrise and cleared a few emails, which wasn't too bad before we could venture out and explore the town for the day. Uh, generally in the office, uh, it's around kind of lunchtime or, or any gaps between meetings and then usually at the end of the day rather than the start of the day uh, in terms of trying to clear emails. Yeah, cool. And what's one interesting hobby that you have? I mean, we'll, ta- well let's take caravanning off the table. Um, I mean, interesting is probably a stretch. I mean, there's probably a few half interesting. You are in accountant at heart. Exactly. So. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's, I mean, maybe not interesting, but it's something that I just always – I enjoy kind of conquering challenges or something like that. So for Christmas, I got a Rubik's Cube. Never knew how to do one before. Um, and Boxing Day took me 14 hours to get it done and solve with watching YouTube over and over. Um, but got it down to the point now that give or take within kind of 60 seconds or 90 seconds, I can I can solve them. For, wait, 14 hours and you use YouTube to teach you how to do it? Well, yeah, because it, it has these steps, but I get to like step seven and take one wrong turn, all of a sudden I'll be back to step three. Ah, okay. And then I get I get back to step six and I'll be back to step two. Yeah, no joke. I started at, I don't know, probably seven o'clock in the morning. It wasn't 14 hours continually, so I should probably put that out. Yeah. Um, it was spend about 10 minutes and get frustrated and go do something with the kids, watch the cricket for a bit. Then pick it back up again. Um, but I was I picked it back up about eight thirty at night, so I'm not going to bed until this is done. Uh, and by about nine thirty, it was done. And my, I thought my daughter would be impressed the next morning. She said, "Cool." And then she just mixed it back up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's kids for you. Beautiful, awesome. Well, thanks heaps for coming and joining us today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your holiday. Um, so go enjoy the rest of your day. Cool. Cheers, Phil. Happy to help. Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode and you think someone else will get value out of it, I'd love it if you could forward it on to them. And as always, we can continue the conversation in the My Risk Advisor Facebook group. All you need to do, open up Facebook and search My Risk Advisor and I'll see you in there.